Welcome to Faculty Success, Higher Ed Conversations podcast series. Hi, I'm Teresa Vallee, Instructional Designer with the Faculty Academic Center of Excellence at Towson University. The purpose of the Faculty Success, Higher Ed Conversations podcast is to engage faculty in conversations to support professional growth with the aim of enhancing faculty and student success. We're here today with Samuel Clevenger, Assistant Professor in the Department of Kinesiology at Towson. His research and teaching interests center on the history of sport and physical culture, along with the uses of podcasting and digital audio within research in sport. He received his PhD in Physical Cultural Studies from the University of Maryland. His research has been published in international journals including Rethinking History, Sport and Society, and the International Journal of the History of Sport. It's a pleasure to have you with us today, Sam, for our inaugural podcast on teaching and learning through podcasts. Welcome. Hi, Teresa. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. So, Sam, we met through the FACET online workshop for TU faculty this summer. Yeah, in your workshop introduction, you mentioned you use podcasts for course content. We're curious to learn more about what inspired you to use this medium in class and whether you are producing your own podcast content or tapping into other podcast sources. We're also anxious to learn about your experience teaching with podcasts, as well as a little about what your students say about learning through podcasts. How does this sound to you? Sounds great. Love to talk about those things. Can you tell us a little bit about what is podcasting? I, I think... Like a, a podcast is basically a digital file that's available to download on the internet. Usually it's an audio file, which means it's not, it's not video, it's not usually written down, although sometimes there's transcripts on the website. It's just an audio file that someone can download and listen to on the computer, on their mobile device, usually on like a cell phone or something. They tend to be freely available. So there's um, usually a distribution website like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Podcasts where you can download and listen to the podcast for free. Although increasingly podcasts are, you're, uh, there are podcasts where you, there's a paywall where you have to pay to listen to them. Now, you also sometimes will find people that will talk about video podcasts. But usually when someone uses the term podcast, what they mean is something that's audio only. Someone's just listening to it. And they usually are interview-based, kind of like what we're doing right here. So people are talking about a topic, usually about maybe a current event or a story or some sort of kind of digital audio production involving people talking with one another about something. What I think is interesting about podcasting right now is that they are increasingly popular and there are some that have talked about kind of the golden age of podcasting, especially around the 2010s with productions like Serial or This American Life or Radiolab. A lot of these public radio podcasts that have gotten um, quite popular during their time. And nowadays, I think um, in a recent statistic that I saw on the Internet, it's something around like 41 percent of the population 
in the United States at least, has listened to podcasts and are listening to them on a monthly basis. So in terms of the number of people listening, that's 117 million listeners, which means in terms of undergraduate education, there's probably a huge number of students who are listening to podcasts on a regular basis as well, probably for for personal reasons, for personal enjoyment, sports or um, some sort of popular culture thing that they're into. Yeah, that's a great observation, Sam. Thanks for sharing that there's a large percentage of consumers. Yeah, yeah, it, there, there are, you know, I know just from talking with students in my, my classrooms that there are a large percentage of students that are listening to podcasts, um, usually for me because I teach sport history, it's sports podcasts. Um, but those also in terms of teaching podcasts, even up to this point, I don't think are necessarily something that you hear a lot about. You know, a lot of my classes, it's very kind of writing and reading based. So it's still kind of an area of, I guess, uh, growth in terms of education, in terms of you know, different ideas of trying to access and communicate with students. Because I think a lot of them are already listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that brings us to the next question. Can you tell us about what inspired you to consider podcasting for teaching and learning? You know, a lot of it has to do, I think, with my own personal interests in music and audio. So when I was younger, in high school and in college, um, I, was, I was in bands. Uh, I was in um, I guess you could call them rock bands, you know, not <laughs> playing the tuba for school, but, you know, playing guitar um, outside of school and, you know, playing shows when I was in college. So when I um, went to graduate school and began my academic career, I was really interested in finding ways to kind of mesh my interests in music and audio with now a career in research and teaching and the ways in which music and audio can actually augment or even kind of diversify and expand the ways that I'm doing both research and teaching. And that's combined with, you know, I've, I've been teaching for probably around five years or so now, and including some graduate school. And I have had kind of a growing, I guess, dissatisfaction with writing-based assessments, just personally, and I think part of it is because I've 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 had a decent amount of experience now with students who, you know, they they come to you and they they talk about how they have a kind of trouble, kind of articulating their ideas through a written or a formal essay format, and you know it gets kind of frustrating to try to figure out different modes of assessments or different ways for them to articulate their knowledge or what they're learning that doesn't necessarily have to involve sitting down at a computer and trying to type it out in an essay format. So because of that, I started to look more readily at things like podcasts and think about how those could be incorporated into a classroom. And that also, there's also that led to me becoming more interested in literature and scholarship that's being published in fields like sound studies, sound studies, and even within recent years, podcast studies. There's its own kind of burgeoning field in and of itself that's of various scholars and researchers that are talking constantly about the benefits of podcasting in the classroom and, you know, critically 
discussing podcasting, podcasting productions, podcasting formats, and other, you know, other sort of theoretical and philosophical understandings of sound itself. Sound studies it is a much even larger field than podcast studies. And what I really like, what I think is really fascinating about a lot of sound studies scholarship is the way that they discuss sound as something that's distinct from a kind of written or visual format, at least in certain important ways. Like for instance, when you think about sound, I, I, I'm trying to remember the author who wrote about this, but they talked about how with sound, the listener is literally sharing time and space with that sound object because the sound is literally in their ears. It's in them. They're feeling and hearing. It's internal. Right, right. So unlike watching a documentary or reading a book where the object is outside the person, the sound is literally with them. They're like experiencing it almost bodily. So in that sense, I, I, there are there are many different researchers who talk about kind of the creative or imaginative dimensions of that, of how that can sort of expand, at least if we're talking about students specifically, expand the ways that they're thinking about the world around them, how they understand the world, the meaning of things in ways that seem distinctive from the written or visual formats. I'm not necessarily saying one is better than the other, but it seems alternative, a different mode of them articulating what they're thinking and what they're learning about the world. And when I when I read that, that seems really that seems really exciting. It's it's a, it's a real fascinating idea, this idea that you know, sound is something that's not sort of an object outside of the student, but with them. I think that could really open up some really interesting possibilities in terms of assignments and in terms of assessments that we can do in the classroom. You know, I, I know from personal experience in my classes, when I play a podcast, the dynamic for students is quite different from watching a documentary. And, you know, it, it, there's only been a year or two where I've really push to incorporate podcasts in my classes, but it does seem like the dynamic is um, has improved or seems better in certain respects. It I does seem like they almost kind of um, acquire more. They, they thought more about the information from the podcast as opposed to when I've shown them a documentary. So it's really, really fascinating, fascinating stuff. So thank you for pointing out that sound distinctly moves the body in unique ways. You know, uh, your commentary brought me back to the years I spent teaching, listening for academic purposes for second language learners in higher ed. Back then, I was what, using what would be called a podcast today. So they, it was a text with academic topics and pre-recorded pre audio from NPR, All Things Considered. Okay. Yeah, okay. so, you know. Uh, the value that it brought to students, and to use your words, um, conjure images in their mind when listening is really important and an effective way to actually construct meaning, right? And uh, so, you know, in particular in the field of language learning, right, and communication, right. Um, you know, that actually helps support language development. Uh, when you're actually going through the listening component yes. and, and really having to work with constructing those images in your mind. 
Um, so I just wanted to point that out. And, and in turn, what I found was that the practice in listening strengthened their language acquisition as well as their productive skills of speaking and listening, excuse me, speaking and writing. So you'll see, you know, they, it, it's, not, it's not a one or the other. I think when you talk about podcasts, you're thinking of an and, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. Kind of expanding. Yeah. yeah. So let's shift now to hear ways uh, you've incorporated podcasts into your courses. You know, there's a, there's a wealth of really great podcasts available um, from public radio, either from NPR or I'm thinking like PRX or a lot of the productions that have been on the radio. There's, and there's such a wealth of um, series that are available that are very rigorous and can be easily incorporated in the classroom. You know, I, I come from a historical background, so I'm thinking in terms of history podcasts, but um, there's one I think that's connected with, I think it's either Duke University or University of North Carolina. I think it's Duke University, but it's called Scene on Radio, and they do these wonderful series about various very critical historical topics. And I know the Virginia Foundation for the Humanities has a podcast called Backstory, where I think it's sometimes every week at least they have a various different historical topic that's relevant to current events. So whatever sort of current event is going on or one current event, they sort of dig into the past to try to get some historical context to it. And they talk to professors and researchers who have expertise on those various topics. And um, Throughline, that was the other one I was thinking, Throughline is another um, historical podcast that NPR does. And those are just um, the historical podcasts. There's, there's a wealth of other podcasts that deal with other fields like the, in sociology or and gender studies and, and science. There's an enormous amount of various different science and health and medicine podcasts that I think would be extremely useful um, within the classroom. I myself, uh, in a class about uh, women's sport history, you know, I've, for example, I can think of a podcast that the, I believe it's a the public radio station in Boston, WBUR, has this great podcast episode about Ora Washington, who was one of the first African-American um, female sports stars in American history in the early 20th century. And I've used that um, multiple times in classes, in part because there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a few things that have been written about Ora Washington now, and, but there's not really kind of a good documentary or a good YouTube clip, but there's this wonderful podcast that's about 15 or 20 minutes or so. It's a great break in the classroom for students. And so I've used that multiple times now to kind of elicit discussion about both uh, Washington's experience and you know talk about issues about race and racism and sport history. It's been great. Increasingly, increasingly, I, I want to incorporate more, to incorporate more podcasts in my classroom. As I mean, right now, most of the time, the podcasts are has supplement, supplementary materials. So I still have an assigned reading. I still have mostly assessments that are writing based or perhaps presentation based. And one of my goals, personally, in terms of being an instructor, would be to more incorporate more this idea of a podcast as an assessment not necessarily sort of being the only mode of assessment but being like you said before and 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 another mode that the students can choose in addition to writing or in addition to perhaps some sort of video production so more 
incorporating the podcast in that way, a sort of a, an additional mode of assessment that students can choose from when they're trying to um, demonstrate their knowledge of topics in the class. I mean, most of the time with the podcasting, there's probably still going to be those formal requirements, you know, sources and references and things like that. But there, there's something really kind of artistic and creative in podcasting. And I think to allow students to be able to tap in that more effectively as something that's in addition to uh, traditional written or visual modes uh, or assessments, I think would be really, really useful. So that's one of my objectives for the, my classes. Over 20 years ago, when I was in school getting my master's in teaching, I'll never forget what the assessment professor said. And she said, give your students multiple ways to show you what they know. Right. And so I think that fits hand in glove with what you've just said, Sam. Right. Plus, I was thinking um, students, you know, they have such a wide range of knowledge about digital technologies. They probably already know how to do these things before we'd even ask them. And to be able to allow them to tap into that knowledge that they bring to the classroom, I think would be really important. I don't think you're alone in your uh, points of view here. As a matter of fact, I'd like to share an excerpt from a recent Inside Higher Ed article uh, with the title, It's Time for Academe to Take Podcasting Seriously. And so here's the excerpt. In a moment when higher education is moving into a new, uncharted era, we'd like to offer the following concrete proposals for how to harness podcasting as a productive tool for teaching and scholarship. They are support faculty and student podcast creators at the institutional level, assign scholarly podcasts as primary material instead of or alongside text, and replace individual written assignments with team-based podcast projects that mix written and audio components. That pretty much aligns with what you just said, doesn't it? I think so. I think so, yeah. Can you speak a little about ways podcasts have positively impacted learners in your classes? Sure, absolutely. So I'm thinking back to the times where I allowed students to create a podcast and submit a podcast production as an alternative to a written assessment. And I'm, the one semester I'm thinking in particular Thinking back, this was a learning experience for me in many ways. I think one of the issues I had is I tried to present the podcast as kind of the, the one mode that they needed to use because I was just was so kind of excited about incorporating podcasting. So I was gung-ho and really encouraged them to do podcasting, and I don't think I sort of really thought enough about the need for there to be multiple modes of trying to demonstrate their learning. So I shifted too quickly from the written assessment straight to podcasting. In terms of the positives from that experience, I do think, you know, there were students in the class that were struggling with some of the written assignments that did very well on the podcasting. And I have to think, just anecdotally, that the, the podcast perhaps helped them to utilize some of their skills or some things that they were into that they weren't able to do in an essay or within a discussion post. So I was, I was quite happy about that. that the, those students, seeing those students do quite well seemed to be a positive. It seemed to 
um, reinforced to me this the importance of those sort of multiple modes of of um, or multiple types of assessments and multiple modes of people of students being able to kind of demonstrate their knowledge in the class. I did have some students that wanted to when they when I told them about the podcast assignment, they wanted to do a video podcast instead. And I allowed them to do that. And I think that reinforced the point that I made earlier about the importance of multiple modes, you know, allowing students to be able to kind of, maybe they were experimenting or they were thinking about what ways that they would like to do the assignment. And that allows them to tap into their own interests, into their own skills and ways of learning. So I think I actually thought of that as a positive and in an interesting way by presenting the podcast assignment, it allowed some students to think more about, well, you know, this, this, you know, the video is a way that I sort of think creatively or I can think about knowledge. And so I, I really liked that that was one of the outcomes. It does seem like it, there was, it allowed for a kind of break, a break from the written format. There's a lot of stress, I think, and pressure that students feel with the traditional written assessment. And I don't think the podcast assignment was as stressful, even though there were ways of making it just as rigorous in terms, academically speaking. Um, and I liked that. It, you know, what was, what was fun is we could, we, I could give students time to work on their podcast projects in the class and almost the classroom becomes almost kind of like a lab, this, this interesting kind of creative lab where they're actually kind of creating things on their computer or talking with their uh, peers or their partners or otherwise. There was a lot of multitasking where they were thinking about the podcast project while we we're also listening to a podcast and learning about a different topic. So I, I, I just think it, it really kind of um, expanded some of the, the various different tools that were available to me as an instructor and expanded the various different ways that the student could engage with the class, even in ways that they may not even be realizing, you know, that just because it was different from an essay, they were learning and engaging, even if they may not even known it at the time. So those were some of the things that um, that stuck out for me in that experience. It's terrific. When you think of learning um, being a social activity, um, largely, um, just giving students that opportunity to be generative as well as dialoguing is just fabulous. Right. And the podcast is inherently a dialogue format, usually, right? All the discussion going on, which mm -hmm. I think is important to emphasize. Mm -hmm. So let's turn to podcasting tools. Can you tell us a little bit about tools you have tried and if you prefer one over the other? Sure, sure. There's a lot of tools available. I'll, I'll say that first of all. I mean, I think podcasting initially emerges sometime around, I think it's the 1990s. So it's pretty, it's still pretty recent in terms of being a sort of media form. But now on the internet, there's a wide variety of different tools available for specifically for faculty. I mean, students probably already know this by now, but for faculty that, that don't have a lot of experience with podcasting, there are a wide variety of tools that are freely available on the internet um, to engage in podcasting. In terms of, of hosting and in terms of um, being able to post and for people to be able to listen to it, there's just off the top of my head, there's three websites that offer free podcast hosting. So what that means is 
all you have to do is just give a few information, your name and email address, and you have a website and an account, and you can upload the MP3s or the audio files, and they'll not only host them on the website for free, but they'll also then share them on various different platforms to get the message out. There's um, Anchor FM, which I believe is owned by, I think, Spotify these days. SoundCloud is the biggest is the biggest website for hosting, and it has the largest number of podcasts. They both have a free version, so anyone can open an account and start um, uploading their podcast. And then they also, I think, have a paid version, which is a little bit more expensive. But it all have a free version that you can you can up, you can use. And then at Podbean, I think is another one that I'm thinking of that's also a has a free and paid hosting service. Um, there's a wide variety of those, and they're 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 easily available. The the benefits of I think Anchor is that it's unlimited uh, podcast hosting, so you can upload as many podcast episodes as you like, and it's always going to be free. And they're always going to help you distribute them on Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts. It makes it incredibly easy for say a faculty member who wants to link a podcast episode or distribute podcasts through their classroom. And then I was thinking too, in terms of audio editing, uh, there's an open source software called Audacity, which is free, freely available on the internet. It's relatively easy. You know, there's a little bit of a, an initial learning curve for learning what things do, but it's not overly difficult. You don't need specialized knowledge to be able to do it. And it's absolutely free. The students can download, the instructors can download it, and you can use that to edit podcast episodes. You can add in different music. So students could add in theme songs. They can add in things that they record from their uh, phone. They can do a wide variety of different things. They can add sort of effects. The, the, the possibilities are seemingly seem endless, and it's completely free. So there, for podcasting, in terms of cost, it's a relatively low threshold. You just really have to have internet access, really, to be able to do it. And you just need a little bit of time, you know, to think creatively about what you want to include in terms of distributing, hosting, editing the podcast. There are free tools on the internet for anyone to be able to use. You know, we didn't talk much about this, but as let's just put a scenario out here. If you're a faculty member and you're deciding to actually experiment with podcasting, um, I can imagine the stages in the process of producing a, pro a podcast um, would be very helpful for students. Like when you break down an assignment, if it, indeed it was a podcast assignment, um, just being informative about the tools that are available to them. And then you mentioned something before about having a lab situation. Well, I can imagine students practicing elements of the production process in the lab. And so they would be guided and, and assisted by their professor. And also, again, getting back to that peer collaboration, which is really helpful. Right. And right. it gets everyone engaged in the learning process. Exactly, yeah. And then plus for the instructor, too, it gives them multiple opportunities to intervene, to see how the students are grasping it, how they're engaging the assignment. If they're not, be able to intervene, to see the whole process as it goes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to faculty who are considering using podcasts for the first time? There's a couple things that come to mind when I think that. Uh, number one, it's it's not it's pretty it's pretty cheap, and there's a relatively low threshold. It's not as hard to do podcasting as you may be thinking. So I'm thinking for for any faculty where they don't engage in podcasts, a podcast just isn't really something that they're interested in. 
the threshold for for working with podcasts is not as high as you think. You don't have to have a skill set in audio production or anything um, specialized like that. There are websites for hosting. You can put the you can put audio links on YouTube. So being able to distribute the podcast and to allow the students to make their own podcast, they're going to be able to do it for free. There are tools for them to do it for free. There's not going to be extra money that the students need. It's going to be easy. And it's but the thing that I would emphasize, you just don't have to have as much specialized knowledge as you think. I just, I don't know. That seems like something to emphasize enough. It's not, it's not as difficult as some may think if they haven't done podcasts before. Um, and then it's also, you know, just for us personally, in terms of the Towson faculty community, it's very easy to put it on Blackboard. It, you know, especially if you, you just have an Anchor FM or a SoundCloud account, and then you just put the link up there. I mean, it's very, very simple. The one challenge... There's a challenge that I think about um, in terms of incorporating podcasts, and I, I think some faculty would think about this, and it, it has to do with maybe control over the assignment or the assessment because it's it's kind of open, right? Like for for example, if you put material or you know lecture material on Anchor FM, it's kind of just out there and <laughs> it's available for students. On the one hand, it's more accessible for students. They're going to be able to access it more readily, perhaps, than other platforms. But then it's also kind of putting the faculty out there a little bit, which I know would be kind of a tricky and complicated scenario. And I could see a lot of faculty being, and I myself have thought about a lot, a little sort of um, be, uh, trepidatious, I guess. So what's your workaround for that? You know, what I, what I have done in the past, well, I, would, I would put them actually on YouTube and put them as private. So at least I knew that they weren't open to the public mm -hmm. and you couldn't just sort of distribute them anywhere. The other option that I've thought about is, I th I'm trying to think, I think it's possible to upload the file you upload the file by itself on um, Blackboard, where you don't even need to have the hosting service. Um, so that in that case, then the file is on the Blackboard site. You're not even using Anchor FM. You're not even using SoundCloud. So that might be helpful as well, although the, the student should still be able to download the file. Um, but I also think that, that it just requires the faculty to be a little bit more cognizant about what they put on the podcast. You know, think about things that, you know, material that they'd be okay with people having and being able to listen to and having be available to them and making sure that there isn't necessarily information that they don't want to get out or be, be able to student to access when they're doing uh, an exam or something. So it might just require that faculty think about and be a little restrictive on what they do and don't include on the podcast because it's so accessible and available to students. Mm -hmm. Very good. Okay, so um, we hope our conversation opens a number of ways listeners and faculty can consider using podcasts for teaching and learning. Before we wrap it up, is there anything more you'd like to share, Sam? The only thing is I just... I, Podcastings are podcasts are so exciting for me, and in part because I think there's they just they're so creative. I've I've listened to so many different really creative storytelling based podcasts that I think the things that students and faculty and researchers, academics, whoever the things that they can do with podcasts 
just seems that it opens up a lot of imaginative and creative dimensions that I think has benefited my class, will hopefully continue to benefit my class, and I think can benefit a lot of other people's classes as well. Mm. Terrific. Okay, so we want to thank our guest, Samuel Clevenger, for sharing his experience in this teaching and learning through podcast episode. Thank you, Sam, for making this podcast possible. Your contribution embodies our facet by faculty for faculty tagline. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it, Teresa. And to our audience, we'd like to thank you for tapping into our Faculty Success Higher Ed Conversations podcast series. The FACET podcast series generates conversations on important topics that support faculty professional growth and student success at Towson University.